Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hold the Line. My name's Joe, and I'm a British force-free gun dog trainer. You can check out my online courses at forcefreegundog.com. The newest course is called Training the T Drill. You can also pick up a copy of my book called Force Free Gun Dog Training: The Fundamentals for Success, which is available on Amazon's everywhere around the world. There's also an accompanying workbook to record your training sessions in. I'm currently working on a sequel to Force Free Gun Dog Training. And I hope it's going to be out maybe in about six months. We'll see. That's all for now. Let's get on with the show. Train your gun dog without force or fear. Motivate and educate. Hold the line is here. Invention, repetition, generalization, motivation. Hold the line. Oh, yeah. Hello, I am Joe Laurent, and welcome to Hold the Line, the podcast for force free gun dog training. Hold the Line is committed to helping you train your dog to an advanced level using motivational methods and without the use of fear or pain. Thank you for tuning in and please make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hold the Line! So it's all systems are go here at the moment because I think that today Moy has just come into season. So I spent most of the day going, is she really in season or is she not? And trying to kind of prepare things as if she is. Anyway, it's pretty exciting. I have uh, booked her in for her first herpes vaccination with the vet. Um, so we did that last time as well. Herpes vaccination has actually been out of stock recently. It's been unavailable from anywhere um, for many months. So we're very lucky that it's just come in a few weeks before uh, we plan to breed. So that's good. I've looked at the boats and I, have, I haven't booked the boats yet because I'm waiting to be absolutely certain she's in season. Uh, but I've looked at the boats and I've kind of penciled in some crossings that we'd like to take um i've notified the stud owner um and i haven't looked at accommodation yet i need to do that next that's next on the list just to look at where we're going to stay um so and in terms of how we're going to plan the timing of things it's it's a little tricky really so i learned how to do cytology from avidog which is a brilliant brilliant resource and if anyone out there breeds at all you should go and check out avidog.com that's spelled a-v-i-d-o-g dot com and it's all the information is there on the website and it's kind of run by dr gail watkins who i hope to soon get on the show to talk to us all about it but it's a fantastic resource um gail is based in america but pretty much all the information is exactly translatable to wherever you happen to live and it's I wouldn't I, now having learned what I've learned from Avidog, I just wouldn't actually feel safe breeding a litter without without this knowledge or without the Gale's backup and support. It's like having one of the most experienced breeders in the world as your mentor, and she really does mentor you. She will answer any question you have in the private Facebook group. Um, she will, you know, they have office hours where you can send in an email and they'll respond to you. They have regular sort of Skype or Zoom. Uh, phone-ins where you can talk to them and ask your questions about anything and if you have a problem at any time of the day or night you can just post it in the Facebook group and someone will get back to you and they'll be very experienced and knowledgeable so and it's all based on science as well it's none of this sort of well I thought I sort of did this did it this way once and this kind of worked and tried this and I always do this and I always do that it's always based in rigorous science and everything that is recommended by Avidog has the backing of um, research basically so 
Yeah, <laughs> what I was going to say before I said all that about Abby Dog is that we're not going to be doing progesterone testing this time around, which is part of why I get a bit terrified. I don't know actually whether I'm more terrified when we do it or when we don't do it. So last time we did do it, and if we had gone by the progesterone results, we would have missed the mating. We would not have, Moy would not have had puppies. So I won't go into too much detail about why that is because, well, it's quite technical and it's quite interesting if you're interested in it, um, but it's probably not relevant to, for most people listening to this podcast. We're not really sure what happened, if there's something wrong with the... Uh, when they, if the lab mixed up the result, um, I don't know what happened. So yeah, but anyway, it was wrong and I don't quite trust it after that. So we are going to just play it by ear this time. Hold the line. All right, so that's enough manic waffling about all of that. Let's get on um, and talk about something which is actually useful for you guys. So I'm going to talk about the clicker retrieve phase one this week. So last in the last episode, we talked about the clicker retrieve in general, an overview of the clicker retrieve, and the background to the clicker retrieve. Um, and today I'm going to talk about phase one. So there are eight phases, and this is the first of those eight. So just to recap the most important points, which are that you have to do the clicker retrieve indoors. You need to have a chair to be able to sit in. You need to make sure that you can throw treats in different directions around you. So make sure you're not kind of wedged in with lots of furniture and you can only throw the treat in one direction. Um, your dog is going to be racing fast after these treats. So you need to make sure that the floor has some good purchase on it. It's not too slippery. So the one reason for that is because dogs will often deliberately slow down and be a bit more cautious if they know the floor is slippery. And we don't want them to do that. We want them to feel free to run as fast as they want to after the treats, because that's part of what we're building in. We're building in the speed and this momentum and drive. So do make sure that you've got some, you can put some vet bed down, which is grippy on the back. You can put a rug down. Um, you can use mats, whatever it is you want to use, but just make sure that your floor is not too slippy. Um, so and whilst I've said that it's best to do it indoors, if you do have like an outdoor contained area, which doesn't have many distractions in, so it's like a, a, a paved area which your dog can't wander out of, so it's contained, um, then feel free to use that as well. So yeah, because it might be less slippy. So if, if that's the case, then go ahead with that. Um, so phase one. So phase one is going to be looking at or approaching the dummy. So what you're going to do is sit in a chair with your clicker and the dummy and you're going to have some treats ready in a bowl. Now, I recommend that you use your dog's normal, regular food, if at all possible, for this. And that's just because the click retrieve is very treat intensive. So you're going to go through a lot of treats. And if you give your dog extra treats on top of their regular meals, they're going to very quickly get very big. So and because you're working indoors, you don't actually need to use incredibly amazing treats either. So for the vast majority of dogs, you should be fine using their normal food if it's a kibble or if something that you can throw easily. If you feed a wet food or raw food, which can't be thrown easily, then I do highly recommend that you check out Zwee Peak. That's spelt Z-I-W-I-P-E-A-K. And it's an air-dried raw food, which you can handle and touch and you can throw. It doesn't have any carbs in it at all. Um, so no grains, no potatoes. So um, do check it out. I think on Amazon is actually the cheapest place I've found it. Um, so anyway, yes, but you need to have food that you can throw. Now, occasionally we get dogs that are really into the object really into the dummy and if you've got a dog which you think that might happen with so they're going to really value this item they're going to want to pick it up and run off with it they're going to want to take it away and lie down and possess it or something then you might need to use tastier food for the first few um you know until you've got things going until you've got the dog understanding 
the the loop and the pattern of what we're doing for each phase then you may need to use tastier food so do feel free to dial up the treats if you need to um do need to still be throwable so you know maybe cheddar cheese or you know something that you can throw quite easily is a good idea so well all that's said and done you're going to sit in a chair with your clicker and your dummy and your treats ready in a bowl um you you the handler are going to sniff the dummy so you are going to hold the dummy up to your face and go hmm what's this wow this is really amazing this thing um you can even pretend to eat it and go wow this is amazing um and then you're going to put the dummy down at your feet and you're going to fall silent when you do that so you stop being interesting as soon as you put the dummy down on the floor so at this point a dog is going to do something 99.9 percent of dogs will do something involving the dummy they might just look at it they might take a step towards it whatever they do click and don't wait for any more click the first sign of the dog doing anything with the dummy so if they just look at it click that moment if they look at it whilst also walking towards it, click that. So you and you want to click early. You don't want to just wait till the dog reaches the dummy. You want to click when they're looking at it or whilst they're walking towards it at first. So at this point, when you click, the dog should break off what they're doing. And by that, I mean the dog should, on hearing the click, cease to be interested in the dummy and they should look to you for your treat because they know that click equals treat. So they should look to you then expectantly for their treat, which you then throw away from the dummy on the floor. So you can throw it in any direction you like. Try and choose a different direction each time. You're just going to throw it away from the dummy on the floor. The dog will then run off and chase that treat um, and eat it. And then that's that's one loop. The dog will then come back to you. And when they come back to you, they're highly likely to do something involving the dummy because it's at your feet on the floor. So they might just look at it again or they might walk towards it. Um, you're going to click that again. And this, so this is the beginning of your next loop. So you're going to click that. Again, at the click, we want the dog to break off and look at us for the treat. And then we're going to throw that treat away in a different direction for them to run after and go and get. Now, it's really important that that we get this break off at the click. So the break off is one of the things we really need to make sure we're achieving at this point. And it's going to be consistent all the way through the whole click of retrieve that when we click, it means stop what you're doing with the dummy. So if your dog doesn't break off when you click, but they just ignore your click and they go right through and they pick up the dummy, um, you're going to put your treat on the dog's nose to make the dog do- drop the dummy. I know this seems really counterintuitive. And if you've taught the retrieve using any other method, particularly using traditional or mainstream methods, then you may struggle internally with this. Um, but just believe me and just have faith in the method. So we are, when we're doing this, we're only interested in what is happening up until the click. So when we click, it ends, it cuts off the sequence of things that we're training. And so if the dog has a dummy in their mouth and we click, then we want the dog to drop that dummy. So the click ends everything. So if we've already clicked the dog for looking and the dog has ignored that click and continued on and picked up the dummy because it's all just happening really fast, then we are completely in our rights to get the treat, put the treat on the dog's nose and to teach the dog that after the click comes the treat. And so therefore they should be breaking off at the click. And if you keep repeating this, Every time the dog, so you click, the dog ignores your click and picks up the dummy and you put the treat on their nose and they drop and then they run off. You'll end up with a dog which does break off with the click. So you click and they'll look at you. And when they start to do that, you know that you're achieving that break off at the click, which is one of the things you need to achieve for phase one. So well done when you achieve that. And by the way, for dogs with keep away or dogs which are really interested in the dummy, that can be quite an achievement. So yeah, well done. If the dog has picked the dummy up, you don't want to take the dummy off the dog. So we... We never want to take the dummy off the dog. And this is just another little 
important point for the clicker retrieve. So, well, until the very, very end when it's you know really finished and we're doing delivery to hand. But at this point, we're never going to actually take the dummy out of the dog's mouth. And that's because a major problem that people run into with the clicker retrieve and a big reason why dogs need to do the clicker retrieve in the first place is that they have keep away problems when they you know don't want to give the dummy up to you or they dodge around you with it or they run off with it or you know any of those kind of things or they're a bit reluctant to come the last sort of meter or two to you they're kind of you can sense some sort of conflict in them about giving it up to you Um, and so if we train the click retrieve in this way from the beginning we just prevent and get around that ever happening in the first place so because we're not setting ourselves up as and sort of adversary to the dog sort of you know it's not about them possessing the dummy or us possessing the dummy and it's them versus us them versus us it's just about you know we want to communicate to dog we're not really interested in who possesses the dummy we're just interested in what you do with it that's what we're interested in so basically don't attempt to take the dummy from the dog at any point so when you put the treat on the nose to get the dog to drop the dummy they'll just drop it on the floor and that's absolutely fine and you're going to then throw your treat away just like you would have if they hadn't picked it up so when you continue with this loop, you will find the dog just starts to drop on the click. And you kind of, you know, fix the, the sort of sticky dog problem at that point. Um, like I said before, it's important that every time you throw the treat, you want to throw it to a slightly different angle. And that's because <clears throat> the dog's going to run out and get the treat from that different location. And that means they're going to reapproach the dummy from a slightly fresh perspective. So quite, there's some generalization involved in this from the beginning. So they are going to come at the dummy from a slightly different angle each time. And they're practicing... Um, what that looks like and and what it's like to approach the dummy from different places and to pick it up eventually from different places. We're not doing pickups at this point, but eventually. Um, At the end of the session, and this is another important point, you're going to need to pick the dummy up somehow because, I mean, how do you end the session? So at the end of the session, it's important that the dog doesn't see you pick the dummy up. And by the way, if for any reason you need to pick the dummy up in the middle of a session, this applies as well. So you never want the dog to see you pick the dummy up. It doesn't matter if they turn around and see you already holding it, but you don't want them to see you actually picking it up from the floor because that is a moment of possession. It's a moment of you reaching forwards and taking possession of the object, which the dog will often value. And so we don't want the dog to see that occurring because it triggers and inflames keep away and possessiveness and all those kinds of feelings in the dog, all those big feelings. And so we don't want the dog to see that happening. So the best thing to do is you're going to throw a treat away as per normal, maybe a little bit further than usual because you need to buy yourself a little bit more time. The dog's going to run away and eat that treat. And while the dog's back is turned, they're either running away or their head's down eating the treat, you're going to pick the dummy up. So what you want to happen is the dog turns around from eating the treat and they see you just holding the dummy, just standing there holding it. that will not trigger keep away so what triggers keep away is is the dog witnessing you actually possessing the object picking it up from the floor um so that's basically it um now you can do this with different objects as well you don't need to just stick to one object so if you feel that you've achieved this and you achieve it quite quickly then instead of trying to move on with the actual retrieve to the next phase of the retrieve instead it's better to move on and generalize what you've done to different objects so different objects can be different dummies so sometimes we end up with a dog which you know there's there's one dummy which they will retrieve and they don't really recognize anything else as as being a retrieve item and that can often be the case that the dog's only had that one dummy to practice with so that's all that they've ever generalized to so, so you make sure that you're switching around with different dummies 
Um, you can also use other types of dummies. So if you've got some docking dummies, you might want to try with those. Um, if you've got some um, fur or feather dummies, you could try with those. But it doesn't even have to be just gun dog stuff. Think about other things that you have around the kitchen like half a clothes peg or like a laundry detergent dispenser or like a spoon or um, a really large screw which the dog can't hurt themselves with make sure um, so you know just try to think about things which are safe anything that's safe for the dog to interact with you can use as an object you can generalize your training at each phase of the clicker retrieve so so yeah phase one is looking at or approaching the object um, so the kind of objective really is to end up with a dog that understands this week that if they look at or head towards the dummy, they get clicked or the objects, they get clicked. Um, and when they hear that click, they break off. So they are not continuing on to do stuff with the object after the click. So that when they hear that click, they know that they need to turn around and engage with you because you're about to throw them a treat. Um, so... I think important things to point out at this stage are that people often want to progress too fast. So they want to skip to clicking pickup straight away. Um, and you might think your dog can do pickups. Your dog's already picking items up and you're, this isn't the problem that you have with the clicker retrieve. You have a problem somewhere else with it. And why do you need to go back to clicking the dog for just walking to, you know, running towards the item? What is the point of that? Um, can't you just pick up at a later point in this training process? And the answer is no. So things will fall apart. Um, so basically think about the wise man built his house upon the rock, not the sand. And we need to make sure that we've got some solid foundations to support the later learning. So you might feel, it might give you a sort of false illusion of progress if you skip ahead now, but the behavior may well fall apart later on. So when you've got multiple fluent reps, not just happening once or twice, but multiple fluent reps. So the, you know, the dog's not hesitating between reps. So they're not sniffing around or getting distracted. They are just approaching the object, getting clicked, going to get the treat, approaching the object, getting clicked, going to get the treat. You're not having any kind of other behaviors that are creeping in, in between each repetition, in between each loop. We want to see the dog eating the treat and then immediately going back towards the object because they know that that is the thing that pays. So we, it should always feel as if your click is preventing the dog from reaching the object, preventing your dog from making contact with it um, because the dog keeps breaking off when they hear the click. So yeah, we're kind of working on looking at the dummy and heading towards the dummy. Um, yeah, if you do find that you're making faster progress, the things to do to generalize to other objects, think about trying to teach the dog that this is a game where I put something on the floor at my feet and you interact with it, you approach it, you head towards it, um, and that's what earns this click um so yeah so that is phase one of the clicker retrieve and hopefully i'll be able to give you phase two at some point soon hold the line i do have a five week online clicker retrieve course and each week you'll be emailed an email from me with information on what to do and a handout sheet and videos showing how to do it and you also have access to a facebook group and in the Facebook group, you're able to post videos of you and your dog doing whatever you're doing with the Click Retrieve um, and to get feedback from me and from other people as well. So if you want to join that course, um, then do drop me an email. You can either email me at joe at dogworks.org.uk. That's joe, J-O, at dogworks, D-O-G-W-O-R-K-S dot org dot U-K. 
or gallaudy at mac.com, which is G-A-L-O-D-Y at M-A-C dot com. And we can get you signed up for the five-week Click of Retrieve course, which costs £35. And we've got people taking it from all over the world at the moment, which is really exciting. So hopefully you can join us. Hold the line. That's all for this week, folks. I need to go off and research accommodation now. Um, and my brain is somewhere else so this time next week when the next podcast goes out I will try and set it up to go out automatically and to schedule an upload to iTunes which I haven't done before so hopefully that's going to go smoothly Um, and it's going to be an interview with Jules Morgan which I recorded a few weeks ago so I'm sure we can all look forward to that and hopefully the scheduling will work as it should and I will keep you fully updated on everything that we get up to on our trip If you've enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to give me five stars on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever it is that you use. And I'll talk to you again soon.